0: Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. As I mentioned, we're kicking off our series, A Walk with Abraham. Now. Many of you know about Abraham, but hopefully in this series, you're going to learn a lot about Abraham. And this man, Abraham, in the Bible is known for many things. He's known as the father of many nations. He's known as the father of of faith. He's known as a friend of God. As a matter of fact, the three major religions of the world acknowledge him as a patriarch. Christianity acknowledges him. Judaism, the Jewish people acknowledge Abraham, and even the Muslims acknowledge God speaking to and using this great man named Abraham. We know about his willingness to obey God even when it was hard. And then perhaps most of all, we know that Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons... Okay, if you've ever wondered who was raised in church, I just showed you. Many of us remember singing that song, or you, if you had kids that were raised on Veggie VeggieTales, you probably heard it ad nauseum. And so that we know a lot about Father Abraham, but we're going to learn a lot more about him. Because in this series, we're going to unpack not only his um, successes, if I can even use that word, but we're going to take a look at his struggles. We're going to take a look at his failures. We're going to take a look at the times when Abram... Abraham, excuse me, fell short, or when he got impatient with the promises of God. Other times he struggled with the promises of God. So in this series, we're legitimately, we're going to take a walk with this man through the journey of his life to learn from his life. Now, before we do that, let me just present to you where we're at. This message, we're going to talk a lot about the background and the history of Abram's life. But at this time, he was not known as Abraham. He was known as Abram. And that name Abram means exalted father. That's what Abram means, exalted father. But there was only one problem with that name, and we're going to see that as we pick it up, as we pick up our story in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. It says this. This is the account of Terah, Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot, but Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still alive. Some translation says, he Terah, I mean, excuse me, Haran died before Terah. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Meanwhile, Abram and his and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. How many of y'all are glad that we have different names in the day and time that we live in? Milcah and her sister Iscah were named, excuse me, were daughters of Nahor's brother Haran. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Now, I just said a lot, and there's a lot to unpack about the lot that I just said, but there's something that I, I, wanna, I want you to see That's very important for this book. Chapters 11 and 12 of the book of Genesis are a bit of a turning point in human history. It's it's almost as if it's not the middle of the book of Genesis, but it's almost as if it's the centerpiece of Genesis that turns the page to something brand new in the book of Genesis. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor Gabe? Chapters 1 of the book of Genesis through chapter 11 are a sort of, human history. It's the beginning, the origins of human history. And it covers about 2,000 years of human history. So from the point of creation to the point of of Abram is about 2,000 years that's covered in these 11 chapters. But the next 39 chapters of the book of Genesis are only 350 years. So you have 2,000 years for 11 chapters And for 39 chapters, you only have 350 years. And I think that's God's way of saying, I'm going to show you what's important. There are a lot of things that are left out in the creation story. And even the story of of Noah. There's so many things that we have questions about that one day, hopefully, we'll get the answers to in heaven. We'll get the answers to these questions one day. I know when I get to heaven, one of my questions is going to be, God, what's up with mosquitoes? We couldn't leave that out of the boat when Noah was... I mean, dinosaurs didn't make it, but these guys made it. Right? So there's a lot of things that we're going to want to know about when we get, when we get to heaven that God said, you know what, I'll, I'll answer that for you one day, but right now this is what you need to know about human history. 2,000 years condensed into 11 chapters, but yet 39 chapters... Start to hone in from the broader scope to this focal point. And the focal point becomes this very special family. And this family begins with this man named at the time Abram. A shift takes place. And the story begins really with a man named Terah that we just talked about, and he was living in a place called Ur of the Chaldeans or Chaldeans. Now, Ur of the Chaldeans was modern day southern Iraq. Southern Iraq is what we, the same place. And as a matter of fact, we have a a man in our church that's traveled abroad and done, you know, many tours in in the the Middle East and he actually visited the home, or historically speaking, the home of Abraham. And I asked for him to, to send some pictures and hopefully I'll get to share those with you throughout the course of this series. Now, Ur of the Chaldeans, or Chaldeans, was a special place in the ancient time, in ancient history. Now bear with me. Again, I'm, I'm giving you history and context so that I can make it applicable to you. But I want you to understand this man, Abram, and understand his life. And not just read the story or just think about him as the person that was on your felt board when you were in Sunday school. Okay? I want you to understand the man. The place that he lived, Ur of the Chaldeans, was a highly advanced commercial culture. In its time. It was a very educated culture as well. And it was also a very large culture in ancient history. It's in Mesopotamia, but it was a large, a large metropolitan, if you can call it, that type of city in its ancient biblical times. Now, it had I've heard it said that there were about 300,000 people who lived in Ur of the Chaldeans at this time, at the time of Abram. So there were a lot of things going for Ur, right? Contextually speaking, this was a major city. This was a big place that people would want to go and they would want to hang out. So that's the good thing about Ur. But as we'll see for the life of Abram, this was not a good place for him. One of the reasons why it was not a good place, let's talk about the bad parts about Ur. The bad parts was it was a very pagan culture, It was a very pagan culture. They worshipped many different gods. As a matter of fact, Abram, the father of faith, was before his encounter with God. He was a polytheist, which meant he believed in many different gods. And Ur had tons of them. And it's been said that one of the gods that that Terah and Abram served, or worshipped rather, not served, but worshipped, was a moon god. And we're going to talk more about this moon god in a moment, which... It's actually going to come back up in our story. But Ur was a place of pagan worship. Ur was also a place of great loss for Abram. It was a place of great loss. How do you know that? Because the Bible told us in verse 28, let's go back there for a moment. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth while his father Terah was still there. And again, another translation says, or before him. Terah had three sons, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And while they were still in the land of of the son's birth, Haran died there. So Abram lost a key part of his family at this place Ur. It was a great loss, a lot of grief there. I don't know if any of you have ever lost someone dear and close to you, but you know this, if you have, that when you lose someone close to you, it has with it the temptation to stop your life as well. You can get so stuck in your pain and so stuck in your loss that you never move forward with life. And that's why I'm so grateful for people like Gary and Judy Buchanan who run our Grief Share that help people in our church that when they're lost and, and they've lost someone and they just, I don't know where to go and what to do. You can feel so numb that you don't know what to do. They help guide you through that process of grief and loss if, you, if we're willing to let them. Some of us go through that grief and it becomes a, a moment in our lives. There's, I can remember losing a, a dear friend of mine, and I remember where I was when I got the news exactly where I was, I could probably pull up to the parking spot right now. Remember, the events leading up to it is something that gets seared in your memory. And for some of us, we never move past that. And so for Abram, this place of, of Ur was a place of great loss, a loss for his father who lost the son, a loss for himself and his brothers and his family, a pretty close-knit family as we can tell from what Scripture says. And it rocked him. And not only did it rock him, but now this man Abram, who doesn't have any kids, has to assume the responsibility for his brother's son, a young man by the name of Lot. So Abram, whose name means exalted father, has no kids, as we're going to see. But he's having to assume the responsibility for his brother's son and raise him as if it's his. Another point about Ur is this. Ur was a place of great disappointment for Abram. How do I know that? Because it was in Ur that Abram learned that his wife, Sarai, could not conceive children. And it was there that he got that that revelation that, okay, this may not happen. My name means exalted father. I may never have kids. And it was a big deal, as it is for some of you in the room. It's a big deal. And it's something to be handled with care. something to be handled with a lot of prayer. This is where Abram found himself. So Ur was not a great place for him. Let's, keep, let's go back. I want you to notice something significant about this story. In verse 31, one day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his grandson Lot and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan. That's very important. But they stopped at Haran and settled there. They were headed for where? Wasn't your question? I'll read it for you. This is an open book test. <laughs> he was headed for the land of where? Canaan. Canaan but stopped at Haran and settled there. They left their home in Ur, and they decided to go to Canaan, but something happened that caused them to stop in this place called Haran. Now, some people believe that the places were named after the people in the story, and other people believe that the the people were named after the, the places in the story. We don't know for sure, but either way, I find it very ironic that the place that they stopped is named after perhaps the most painful part of their lives. On their way to obey God, on their way to listen to what God was asking them to do, they stopped. Why did they stop? Where did they stop, rather? They stopped in a place that was named after the greatest loss in their life. Isn't it ironic how we can do that? We can allow the pain of our past, we can allow the pain of loss to stop us in our tracks from obeying the will of God for our lives. To not go into what God wants us to go into, why? Because I'm hurt. God, I'm. I'm this is too painful. I'd rather stay in my pain than move forward. We're gonna come back to that. Why were they? Hit, why were they headed that way? Why were they even going to? this place called Canaan. And how do we know they were going to this place called Canaan? Well, the Bible gives us some insight in Genesis. Very next chapter, turn the page, very next verse. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 says this, the Lord had said, had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now, I've heard this preached, and I've heard people talk about it, and And many believe that, okay, Terah dies, and then God, Abram, has this encounter with God, and then he decides to go. Okay, that's not what the Bible says. Because it says, the Lord had said, meaning this is a previous conversation. Meaning God spoke to Abram before they went to, before they left Ur of the Chaldeans. Before they even got out of there, God had an encounter with Abram and said, Abram, I want you to go to this land that I'm going to show you. How do you know that, Pastor Gabe? The New Testament confirms it as well. In Acts chapter seven, verse two, when Stephen was getting stoned, and not the way that many of you have gotten stoned, a different kind. You know it's true. Don't act like it's not true, it's true. My wife's going, babe, don't act like it's not true. Stephen is getting stoned. Verse 2, chapter 7. This was Stephen's reply. Fathers, and brothers and fathers, listen to me. He's recounting the story of all of Israel. And this is the defense that he's giving before he's killed. He says, our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land. I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. So God spoke to Abram before he left. Abram knew he was supposed to go somewhere that God was going to show him, but he didn't know exactly where he was supposed to go. And sometimes I think we do the same thing. Sometimes we don't know exactly where God wants to take us, but we know we're not there yet. God I know I'm I know you're telling me to go and I'm supposed to go there but I don't know exactly where there is but one thing I know for sure is this is not there. The place I'm in is not the there. You know when when there's more? You know when this this can't be all? God, this ain't it. This is good, I'm better, I'm closer but I'm not in the place that you promised. And that's where Abram found himself in in Haran. He had left home, but he hadn't fully obeyed yet. And we do that. Now, let's talk about why he stopped. Why did he stop short of going into Canaan? Because we know on this side of history that the place he was supposed to go was Canaan. And they were actually on their way to Canaan, but they stopped in Haran. Why? We don't know exactly why, but I have some thoughts. The first one is this. He was following his father. He was following his dad's lead. And there's nothing wrong with honoring your parents except for when your parents want you to dishonor God. Yeah. Yeah. And there are certain times that we, we try to keep peace in our family instead of making peace by doing God's will. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about this a lot, but Jesus said, blessed Or what? The peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. He didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. He didn't say blessed are those who keep you happy and then keep you happy and then keep you happy. Perhaps Abram stayed. We know his father led the charge. How do we know that? Verse 31 says, one day Terah took his son Abram and his daughter-in-law. Terah led the charge for them to leave, but maybe Abram stayed because he just felt bad for his dad. Dad just lost his son. We're leaving. And perhaps God spoke to Abram and told Abram to go. And Abram says, Dad, one of the many gods that we serve spoke to me and said, we're supposed to go. And Terah said, okay, let's go. But he's hurting so much that he didn't want to go beyond that place. God doesn't, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. There are certain times that we're willing to obey our families and stay in an unhealthy culture when God is calling us out of it. And we get so used to and accustomed to the culture of our family, and we don't obey what God is saying. And some of us need to learn how to say, God, I want to please you more than I want to please even my family. Some of us, some of us, even me may even come to, your family's okay with you going to that church once a month or so, but you better be sitting next to us in the pew of our church once a week. And we stay because we want to please our families instead of wanting to please our God. Let me give you another reason. Again, I'm postulating another reason that perhaps Abram stayed in Haran. is Maybe he thought it was good enough. Maybe he thought, Haran, this is good enough. I left where I was. God told me to leave. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, but hey, I'm not where I was. Let me explain Haran to you. Haran was a border town, and it was on the very edge of Mesopotamia, meaning it's close enough and similar enough to the culture that he was in. Without It's on the very edge of going into Canaan, and here's the problem. We do the same things. We say, Jesus, I'll follow you. Lord, the, the music is playing, worship team's going, Cody's singing, the wind is blowing his beard. It's like flapping in the air. You feel God. And everything's going great. And you say, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. And God says, I want you to end that relationship that's not right. Uh Jesus, I'm not willing to do all that. Lord, I'll follow you. I want you to start giving. Mm, I don't know about all that, Jesus. Things are tight right now. I want you to get more involved with spiritual family, and connecting with people, and getting in a small group or, or getting to know people. Lord, you don't understand. I've been hurt in the church before. Church people have hurt me. I don't know, Lord, if I want to do that. And we want to follow him as long as it keeps us within our comfort zone. We want to follow him as long as we can stay in Mesopotamia because I know this culture. I know Mesopotamia. I don't know Canaan. But Jesus will call you out of Mesopotamia because he wants to give you a promise. And can I tell you what the the name of Haran means? Anybody want to know? Whether you do or not, I'm going to say it. Don't worry. (laughs) The name Haran means delayed. So they were stuck in a place of delay. He probably could have gotten into the promised land much sooner, but he delayed himself in Haran. When you're unwilling to get out of your comfort zone, when you're unwilling to actually allow yourself to be stretched, you find yourself delayed from the plans and the purposes that God has for you. Listen, this is, I want you to get this. God's, when, God, when God says, I have this for you, I want you to take this step, it's not to hurt you, it's not to harm you. And he's not going to leave you out there on your own. If he says it, this is the best way I've ever heard this put. God's will, God's bill. If God tells you this is what I want, then he's going to provide everything that you need to do to walk in obedience to what what he's asked you to do. But you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to take the step and obey him. Just take the next step and go. They stayed. They were stuck. They were delayed. And for some of you, let's get real practical. For some of you, that delay is a tough conversation that you know is going to heal the relationship that you refuse to have. God wants to bring reconciliation in a relationship and genuine healing, but I don't want to deal with the smoke. So I'm going to let that one stay. And all you're doing is delaying the very thing that you want. For some of you, it's the business that you need to start. And listen, I'm not advocating for being reckless because some of you are idea people and you have an idea every week. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about something God has put in your heart to begin and to start, and you haven't done it because you are afraid. Take the step and go. Take the step and go. Some of you, God, I need a sign. Here it is. Go. Go. We settle for good enough. Number three, another reason. Maybe it was sin. Maybe it was sin. Haran was like Ur in that it was in Mesopotamia, but it was also filled with pagan idolatry and pagan worship. And I mentioned that it's been said that Abram and his family worshipped a moon god. It was one of the gods of that time in the Mesopotamian region. You can go look it up. One of those guys was a moon god, and you want to know what its name was? Sin. The name of the moon god is sin. Now, whether that name sin has the exact same connotation of sin as we know it, what I do know is this. When you're worshiping another god besides the one true god, it's a sin. It's a sin. And could it be that the thing that is holding you back from the plans of God for your life or the pet sins that you hold on to. There's a difference between, hear me, we all are overcoming sin. There are all areas. You deal with one, it's called the process of sanctification. You deal with one, God reveals another one. You deal with that one, God reveals another one. Why? Because we're sinful humanity being made more into the image of Christ. So I'm not talking about being perfect. But what I am talking, there's a difference between I'm overcoming sin and winning and outgrowing these sins and saying, I'm settling in this land of sin. I'm good with this one. God, you can't touch this one. I'm not letting go of this one. I don't care. what God, I'm not letting go of being a bitter, unforgiving person. This is just how my family was. This is how we are. God, I'm not giving up getting drunk every weekend. This is what I do. Can't have this one. I'm not giving up, Lord, my my. my Whatever it is, sleeping around my adultery, I'm not, you can't have that. You can't have my addictions, Lord. And you settle in that as if that's better for you than the promise that God has for you. That becomes your idol. That becomes your God instead of the one true God who only wants good for you. That's what the devil does. Hear me. He dangles a carrot and he says, come get it. And you think, man, the carrot looks really good. But what you don't see is it's a trap door. As soon as you go, you may grab the carrot, but you're going down into a trap. Versus the God who's not dangling a carrot in front of you, but the God who's saying, my plan for you is good. My will for you is good. Just follow me. Follow me. Man, so much to say. Whatever the reason was, what we know is that this great man of faith, whoever's phone is ringing, just tell them they can still make it in time to church. They can still make it. This father of many nations began his journey by delaying his obedience to God. The great father of faith didn't do what God asked him to do in the beginning. And I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. <laughs> he wasn't perfect. He didn't even start this journey off in full obedience to God. He did, God, I'll, I'll kind of get to it, Lord. I'm not sure. This is what he did. And that's just, that's in, I've said this before, but Jesus is not into strong faith. He's into long faith. And this is what I mean by that. There are those who God changes their life, and I'm on fire, Jesus. I can't wait to serve you. I'm in small group. I'm in going through freedom. I'm connecting with people. I'm in small groups. I'm in all of this stuff. And then you look for them two years later, and you're like, I haven't seen them in a year. Because they were, they caught on fire quickly, but they didn't endure. They didn't endure. They didn't make it to the end. And the book of Revelation talks about that. It talks about blessed are those who endure to the end, who finish out the journey that they began. There are a lot of people who start with Jesus that don't finish with him. But he's into long faith that's going to endure, faith that's going to make it, faith that says, God, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to keep going. If I fall, I'm going to get back up. If I fall again, I'm going to get back up. Why? Because the Bible says the righteous man, the righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up seven times not about perfection. It's not about perfection. He's in the long faith, faith that endures, that lasts. I want to end the story, and I want to go much further back than Abram to give you context and understanding of our sinful nature. This is just ingrained in us with sin. We talked a lot about, you know, the first... we talked about the first 11 chapters of the book. That tells us a lot about human history. And there's a lesson to be learned from those 11 chapters. Let's go all the way back to the flood of Noah. So after the flood of Noah, God had destroyed the earth because it was wicked. And when the flood receded, we see this in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. It says then god blessed noah and his sons and told them be fruitful and multiply fill the earth all the animals of the earth all the birds of the sky all the small animals that scurry along the ground and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror i've placed them in your power i've given them to you for food just as i've given you grain and vegetable But you must never eat any meat that still has the lifeblood in it. Skipping down to verse 7, God says this. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Now what's happening here? This is after the flood. God's destroyed all of the earth except mosquitoes. And He's telling this family, he's telling Noah and his family, Noah has three sons, and he's, t- he's giving them the charge. This is widely recognized, whether you're in Christianity or not. There are many different world religions that go back to this moment. This is historical, a historical moment, this flood. God speaks to Noah and his three sons, and he tells them to go and to repopulate the earth. And we see here the beginning, the birthing of nations. Nations begin from this moment. And these three sons are named Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Don't miss this. Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. It's in Genesis 9. Again, these nations are being birthed. And we see that. And it gives us a list of their sons. And their sons give us the nations of the world. And it can be traced back. For instance, one of Ham's sons was Cush. Well, from Cush is where we get the African people. Because in the Bible, the Africans, Ethiopians were known as the Cushites. These were descendants of Kush. We see other descendants from Jephthah that gave us the Indo-Europeans. Those in Europe and those in India, they all, they all stem back from this man named Jephthah and where he went and he populated the earth. And we see the Assyrians, we see the Egyptians, we see Magog, Magog, which represents Russia. It's the birthing of the Russians, Magog the Persians, all of these nations. Really, I think it's 70 nations that are named that come out of these three sons. And God commands these 70 nations, go and populate the earth. All traced back to these three sons. God says, go, populate the earth. But then something that we commonly see happen with the sinful nature of man, one of these nations decides, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go. And that nation was the nation that we know of as Babylon. This is what happens. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. At one time, all the people of the earth spoke the same language and used the same words. There was one common language spoken throughout all of humanity. As the people migrated east, so they're listening, they're moving, they're going forward. They found a, plan, a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone. That's the origin of bricks right there. And tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower. Don't miss that. Don't Let's build a great city for who? Let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This makes us, this, this will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. This will keep us from going. This will keep us from doing what God wanted us to do. Forget glorifying him and doing what he wants. Let's build something great for ourselves. Let's glorify ourselves. In other words, this is for us. This isn't for God. I'm not. God said go. We said no. We're not going. And God comes down. Let me shorten the story. God comes down. Because the, literally, the Bible says, and God, they came down, this meaning the three, the Trinity, even back then in the Bible, we came down. They came down and confused the languages of the people. Because God said, there's nothing that these people can do. But it's interesting, the Bible says he came down, which meant that the tower they built couldn't have been that tall, because God still had to come down. So he comes down, and he confuses that, their languages And now we have different languages all throughout the world stemming from this moment where a man said, I don't want to do what you want me to do. I am not going to go. Verse 8. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, where we get Babylon, because they were the Lord, excuse me, because That is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. Don't miss this. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. In other words, you can tell me no, but you're going to go. One way or another, you're going to go. And God steps down and he confuses their language and they go. Why did I tell you all of that? Because it's within human nature that when God says no, when God says go for us to resist. God told Abram, I want you to go. And he stops short and stays there until his father dies. And once his father dies, he obeys and moves forward. Babylon, God says, go populate the earth. And they said, no, we want to stay here. Until God confuses their language and they go. Even the church, the great, what we know as the Great Commission, Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples. And they took that for 10 years as go into Jerusalem and Samaria. And for 10 years, even they didn't obey him until the great persecution had to come to Jerusalem and spread them out which is where we see the church in Antioch, where we see the churches started, where Paul came from and went and preached the gospel to the Gentiles. Why? Because this was human nature for, when, for us to say, God, I don't want to go. God, I'm scared. God, this is out of my comfort zone. God, I've had a bad experience in the past. God, I've been hurt by church people before. Who hasn't been hurt by church people before? But none of those things give us a reason To disobey the God that loves us so. That only wants what's best for you. And if he's saying go, it's because he wants to bless you on the other side of that. I love the way Pastor Jacob's wife, Miss Michelle, our beloved Miss Michelle Lorenzo says, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. You never know what's on the other side when you're willing to say, God, I don't know, I don't understand, but I'll submit to you. And I'll go. I'll do it. I've had bad experiences. I'm going to go anyway. God, I've been hurt. I'm going to go anyway. God, I don't know how I'm going to provide. I'm going to go anyway. Because if you said it, your will, your bill, you take care of it. And some of you just need to take the step. Just take the step. Abram didn't start out so hot, but eventually he got there. Eventually he went. And no matter where you are, I want to encourage you to get up and go. Take the step. Again, for some of you, maybe it's I'm going to join. I'm going to go to intro to next steps so that y'all can tell me what was a great step for me to take in my journey with God. If you've never done it, I encourage you to do that. The point of that is to help you take a step in the right direction of serving Jesus. For some of you, you need to get in a small group. For others, it's time for you to lead a small group. For others, you need to help serve at the Hope Center. I want to do stuff in the community. Then get involved and serve in the community and give back to the community. For others, it's the job that you need to take. That you've been too afraid to say yes to. You need to take it. For others, it's the date that you need to go on. It's the woman you need to ask out on that date. For others, it's the family that you need to start. Whatever it is, go. Go. I don't know what he's asked you to do, but what I do know is this. It's going to require faith. And when you get out on the water on faith, that's where you see God move. That's where you see God provide. That's where you see him hold fast to his promises. But you have to go. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the example of Abram. A man who had many reasons to not, but Lord, eventually he obeyed you. Eventually he got beyond his fears or whatever was hindering him and he took the step of obedience. My prayer is for every one of your children in this place that they would do the same. That they would obey you. That they would follow you. They would do what you've called them to caused them, created them to do I know there's fears I know there's anxieties I know we, feel, we don't always feel equipped for the things you call us to but I thank you, you don't call the equipped you equip the called you give us what we need when we're willing to take the step of faith and follow help you people today to take those steps and to not fall short of the promises of God now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here this morning and you say to yourself, Pastor Gabe, I haven't taken the very first step. I'm not a Christian. I'm not right with him. You talked about the, the blood of Jesus in your communion and washing it clean. I'm still smack dab in the middle of my sin. I've never prayed to be born again. I've never prayed to be right with God. But if God wants that, if God wants me, if he's willing To take me as I am, I'll follow him. That's called being born again. And the process of being born again is a simple process. It's as simple as ABC. A, you admit. Admit what? That you're a sinner. That you get very honest about the things that you've decided, I'm doing this regardless of what God thinks. And you confess that to him. B, you believe Believe what? That he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to wash those things away. Does he care? Of course he cares. But he cares more about you. He cares more about you. And he sent his son to die for those sins. And see, you confess. You confess what? That he is now the Lord of your life. And that from this moment on, you're choosing, you're deciding, I'm going to answer that call and I'm going to follow him. He is now going to be my God. I'm not going to be my God. The things of worship won't be my God. He and he alone will be my God. If that's you, with no one looking around, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want you to have a moment just between you and the Lord. But I do want to know who I'm praying with. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, if you say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want to pray today to make Jesus the Lord of my life and to be my God. With no one looking around, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just lift up your hand. And I want to lead you in a prayer. Nothing magical, mystical. It's just surrender. One, two, three. If that's you, lift up your hand. If you say, Pastor, that's me. Lift it up high. I want to see who I'm praying with. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. See your hand back there. Thank you, ma'am. Praise God. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. See your hands. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Great. Great. Now look up at me if you raise your hand. This is the beginning of your journey. And if you will let it, this, this will be the day that changes everything as you begin this journey. Never forget this moment that he washed you clean. You can bow your heads. Church, let's pray this prayer out loud together, all of us. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe on the cross. You died for my sin, for my guilt, and for my shame. I believe you faced hell, so I would not have to go there. And you rose again from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on this earth, and a relationship with God the Father. I turn away from my sin, and I choose to follow you. And from this moment on, God, you are my Father. Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with everybody that prayed that prayer to be born again. Listen, stand to your feet. I want to pray to release you in just a moment. but. If you prayed that prayer to be born again and you're wondering, now what, Pastor Gabe? I've begun the journey, now what? Let me tell you the next steps. One, tell somebody about the decision that you made. Let somebody know, I prayed to be born again. And let them help encourage you to keep going. The second thing, keep coming. Keep coming and connecting with God's family to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus. One of your next steps may be going to our Next Steps class right after this in the student ministry building. And some of you have been a Christian for 20, 30 years. This may be your next step. I encourage you to take it. But I'm glad that you're here. Keep following Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you would bless your people today. I pray you would make your face shine on them. That, God, you would bless them and they're going out and then they're coming in. And that all they put their hands to, seeking first your kingdom, would be blessed. It would be blessed. And Lord, I pray that as a church, we would be a powerful church that walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. We would be a pure church who walks in the fear of the Lord. And we would be a persistent church, even in the face of challenges. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Our prayer partners would be up front. If you need. praise Make now cause there is resurrection power in his name.